I was raised in the home of a preacher man. Heard mama praying time and again. That put something in me I don't wanna let go. She that took me to church night after night. And singing, that's been my life. This is my heritage, my Christian heritage. Welcome to another edition of Preacher's Corner. My name is Marcelo Duran, and I am glad that you decided to tune in today. Many of you have been asking for another edition of the program. You have been texting us, emailing us on social media calling us, telling us in person, hey, we like that program, and we want to hear another one. Today we have another guest speaker, Brother Hoffer goes around to the different conferences, interviewing our elders, and asking them the questions that you and I have been wanting to ask, but we just haven't had the opportunity. So today, Brother Hoffer is going to interview Brother B.A. Spell. This is a great interview that we want to share with you guys. So without any further ado, Brother Hoffer, take it away. You're listening to HGR Preacher's Corner. I'm here with Reverend B.A. Spell. Brother Spell, tell me a little bit about how you started in Pentecost. Well, my uh, grandmother and grandfather received the Holy Ghost in uh, Eunice, Louisiana in 1915. Wow. 100 years ago. And then... In that revival, 200 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they, uh, from there, they moved to Abbeville, Louisiana, and started having church in their home. And then I was born there in 1930. That was during the Depression years. And from there... We moved to uh, Oblant, Louisiana, stayed there a while, then we moved to Eunice, Louisiana, where they had that great revival in 1915, and uh, my grandfather, uh, we started a church out at a place called Riche, and uh, of course it was there that I received the Holy Ghost. In uh, 1939, that would have been about uh, 75 years ago. <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah. And uh, then we stayed in that church, and it was a home mission church. We, from that one church in Riche, we started a church in uh, Church Point, Louisiana. I would go there on Sunday afternoons and preach and bring a truckload of people. And then uh, we started a church in Elton, Louisiana, Pine Prairie, Louisiana, Crowley, Louisiana. There were six or seven churches started from our home church Yeah. in the little community of uh, Riche. Very interesting. Uh, when we need a church building of course uh, no one had any money I looked at the register board yesterday 
and uh, this would have been in the uh, 40s and uh, number on the roll was that Sunday they had 50 people in church which is a good sized church back then and the offering was $2.45 <laughs> so as you can see times was rough our pastor uh, was brother Henry Dunn Quite a, quite a preacher and uh, he came and uh, they built that uh, church there was a very very large tree close by and my grandfather looked at it he told Mr. Wilford he said I think we have enough lumber out of that church to uh, build a church and sure enough they donated us a tree we brought it to the sawmill and had it cut up and uh, from that one tree, we built the church and the parsonage from that one tree. So we called it a one God, one God tree. That was in uh, the early, uh, early fifties, and uh, what a revival we had. And then later on. Uh, Brother M.C. Green was pastoring in Pine Prairie, Louisiana, and uh, he asked me to come and take the church, and I did. We stayed there one year, had a good meeting, and then we moved six miles down the road to a country church called Turkey Creek, and what a revival we had. It was uh, tremendous. The mayor of the town got the Holy Ghost, the alderman chief of police the whole community was stirred and uh, that was in the early early 50s and then of course everybody had to work off because there was no work and then we decided that uh, it was time to move on and so that's when we came to Baton Rouge Port, West Baton Rouge Port out across the river <laughs> And we came there in 1959. Is that right? Yeah, 1959. Held our first service. And, uh, of course, there was eight of us. And we met some folks. There were 17 present that first Sunday, 17. And then I was going to evangelize and just come home on Sunday mornings. But a revival broke out. And a tremendous move of uh, God. And so I never did get to evangelize. I stayed in the uh, church, and the church grew, and we started our bus ministry very early. Brother Ray Majors helped me get a, a bus, and we started uh, our outreach program 56 uh, years ago. And from that day, uh, some of the folks that are in the church now rode that bus 56 years ago. Still in the church today. And uh, our first convert was uh, the Bado family, Brother Bado. He's still a member of the church. He got the Holy Ghost. And uh, it was 56 years ago. So today, 
he's in the church, his wife's in the church, his four children are in the church, his grandchildren are all in the church, all coming to church now. In fact, his son, uh, Daryl Bado, is our uh, outreach director. He's over all the buses. And so uh, the bus minister is not a new thing with us. We've, we've been doing it for 50 uh, 56 years now. And so uh, then in the early 60s, probably around 65 or 66, Brother Verbal Bean came and then we had uh, a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 106 people received the Holy Ghost in that revival. Of course, as of now, most of them have passed on, you know, because that was a good... That was 50-something years ago. Right. And so we've had a great outpouring, and then uh, we built the headquarters church on uh, Plank Road, and uh, tremendous growth we had there, and I believe that we, uh, we're starting a another building program next week and in this 56 years there will be 15 building programs that we've been through wow. 15 and uh, what a move of God we had then of course we had some setbacks in the uh, 70's I mean we was hit hard everything dried up people, people moved off we lost the whole church that year and uh, not on us, but like Charles and Baton Rouge. But then we stayed with it, and the Lord was with us, and we moved on. And then uh, eight years ago, we looked at this property. I drive by, and it was supposed to be a shopping center put here, but it fell through. And so we bought this uh, 14 acres that we presently located on, and built the uh, sector area and this home and another home. So all together we've had 15, uh, 15 building programs. And of course, now we have uh, our Sunday school. It's amazing. This past Sunday, which would have been, uh, let's see, what month is this? Yeah, yeah. May the 31st. Yeah. We had... Uh, 1,247 last week. And 733 of those rode our buses. We have, uh, I think, 14 buses. And uh, so the future looks very good, but we we can't take care of any more people at the present, so we're building this large uh, family center. took us six months to get the permit, but uh, we're on our way. We're breaking ground this coming week, which will be June the 8th. So, uh, to God be the glory. Amen. Everything that he's done for us. Tell me something. As far as when, how did you know you were called to be a preacher? Well, we had a, a burden, a burden for souls. And so we started out very young. 
in fact I took my uh, first church 23 years of age wow. 23 and uh, we've had a great move of God uh, and then uh, from the very beginning though our church has been a missionary church when Brother Labbath came to us in the uh, early 60s and he was on his way to Brazil my pastor across the road, Brother Myers, called me and uh, mentioned that he had a, a missionary. Or we didn't have a 17 people, so but I had. I let him come on, and uh, we began a wonderful relationship. And we, our church, has uh, supported that work in Brazil all those years. We built up big headquarters church there and uh, our church another church uh, sponsored that and uh, from there we started quite a few churches and so well, we uh, thought about it and so the Lord really blessed us even in those years and folks was moving off uh, we started a program of not home mission churches that they, they couldn't build, they didn't have the money. So across across North America now, we have financed we financed twenty churches from Seattle, Washington, all the way through Ohio, Texas. Uh, churches needed help. Uh, we had a good relationship with the bank here. Well, we uh, borrowed the money, had a line of credit. We built a church in uh, San Antonio, Texas, uh, Dallas, Texas, and uh, it was amazing. So as of this date, out of those 20 churches that we financed, they all been paid off with the exception of three. I might mention this. We have never lost one cent in our business dealings because we took first mortgages on the property when uh, we built the uh, uh, churches. And so uh, our church has been a strong missionary church. And uh, as you can see, uh, our missionary offerings, uh, the first five months of this year, I looked on the board last night, it has uh, run about $60,000. We plan to give $100,000 this year to missions which will be our best year that we've ever had. But it's been a lot of work, yeah. and uh, it's not an easy road. Yeah. I mean, you got to have a determination. And uh, so we have been richly, richly blessed Amen. of the Lord. Amen. Who has been uh, an influence on your life as far as a preacher, person? Uh, I had... Two men, in particular, Brother Henry Dunn, who was quite a preacher in his time, came when I was very, very young. And uh, what a preacher he was. And uh, he believed in missions. So as you can see, we started, I don't know how many churches from our one church. And uh, then 
Brother J.S. Hoyt was our next pastor. A great, great man of God. Had a great influence in my life. And of course, Verbal Bean was a, uh, my hero. You know, he preached several revivals for us way back before we come to Port Hollow. He preached in Eunice and Turkey Creek and all that area. And everywhere he went, there was a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so... Uh, they were instrumental in me coming to the Baton Rouge area. We had a great church, but there was no uh, future because folks, was, there was no work. Right. So Baton Rouge was ripe and we came. And of course, as of today, I think there's about 15 Jesus named churches in the greater Baton Rouge area. And of course, we're we're number one. Well, we hope to keep it that way. But uh, we've got along very good with our neighbors. Brother Curtis Young was a pastor for years uh, in the First Pentecostal Church. And uh, we had a good relationship. And so when he got ready to build, they had no place to have service. So I had two churches on Plank Road, I had our church. Then at the back, we had this large uh, conference center that we built, and uh, it seats over a thousand people. So we let him use that building, and so we had two churches going in the same location at the same time, and so that was, that was very, very unusual. But uh, I thank God we've got a good relationship. Uh, with our neighboring pastors. In fact, Brother uh, Johnson, Brother Ray Johnson, pastors in Denver Springs, got a great church. His wife, I baptized her many years ago when she was about 14 years old. She was in our church. And a great soul wedding, way back then. We're knocking doors every Saturday. Of course, we didn't have as many people to work as we have now. We have 50 on our staff now. This last Sunday, uh, I think we knocked 20, last Saturday we knocked 2,200 doors. And uh, that's how we got that 700 and something uh, children. So uh, we're thankful that the Lord has been very good to us. Amen. Talk to me about outreach. How do you get people committed to outreach? Well, it wasn't easy. Yeah. But now, uh, we kept on talking missions to them and the need. And so, uh, you know, some of my outreach people now were with us in the beginning. They might have been, Brother Beto and them was uh, not even born yet, but their parents, you know, and so now, on Saturdays, we have 25 or 30 people going out, knocking on doors. And it hasn't been easy. Way back there, years ago, when we started, we uh, have a crew that would go out in the morning, wake the children up, get them dressed, Somebody else would come along with the bus, pick them up, bring them to church, and bring them home. That requires a lot of work. You start at 8 o'clock in the morning, go to 2 o'clock 
o'clock in the afternoon. You have to be committed. But our folks, folks are committed, and of course they they see it. It's 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 not easy. It's it's very because folks have to give their time and uh, week after week, and uh, I think the future looks very good. I have a picture over right over here of a young lady. Uh, see this picture here? She is Deborah Romines. And she was a young girl about 12 years of age. My wife knocked on their door on a cold, rainy day and uh, brought her to church. She received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She was in a church for about 18 years. She died, I think, 30 years of age. And so we've kept that picture there to remind us what can be done. And uh, she was a prince of a young lady. So uh, we have buried a couple of churches, you know, during this uh, 50-something year period. So folks seen what we've done, you know. My wife would go out and... uh, just, just to get up and say we're going to have an outreach program it doesn't work that way you've got to be committed and uh, so we have some folks who are really committed now we have about 50 people on our staff Sunday school teachers and that's why we have to have a lot of church because on Sunday mornings it takes all these teachers and people they don't get no preaching so then we have a Sunday night service some of our Churches in our era do not have a Sunday night service at all. But, uh, as long as I'm living, we're going to have a Sunday night service because the people that work, you know, Sunday mornings and none of our most faithful people are not in in the service. I mean, they're out teaching, and monitoring, everything. Yeah. What What is it that you see in this church now? And I'm talking about the churches in general. Why don't we have more young preachers? You know, that's uh, that's a, a good question, but it's not not an easy answer. Yeah. I mean, so we're training. We have uh, I don't know how many young people now. Some of them are new converts. Just uh, we've won a whole family. We, we go out on Wednesday nights and have Bible study in their place of business. And so their children have come in. They were there last night, fine young people that received the Holy Ghost and baptized. And one of the young men dies called to preach. We have several young men that sit in the front seat that I think is going to make uh, great preachers. But uh, it's just a different day. Yeah. You know. I'd hate to think I was coming to Baton Rouge now and starting a church from the ground up without any help. It would be rough. Fifty years has made a big difference in Pentecost. A big difference. Folks are not committed now like they used to be. And uh, there's not many of them called to the ministry. But uh, it's hard as Let's talk about that. Why is that? Why do you think? I, I do not know. Uh, I guess that, uh, 
There's not enough evangelism preached into churches. And not enough soul winning. You know, it's almost a thing of the past. But uh, the future looks bright for us. Yes. We have the location. We have the uh, facilities. And uh, all these building programs. The Lord has just been good to us. We operated uh, five Christian bookstores in the area. We opened our first bookstore and we kept on growing. We opened our second bookstore and it was there at a very wealthy man uh, on that shopping center. And he came to me one day and he said, Reverend, he said, I see all the hard workers. Uh, he said, I've got a lot of taxes to pay. And uh, if you would like to, I'd like to make a large donation. He had the finest home in North Baton Rouge, beautiful home, big swimming pool, all his furniture. Lord knows how much it was worth. But anyhow, he sold it all to us for $65,000 and another donation. Then uh, that's not the end of it. On Plank Road, when we built, we had 10 acres. And another man, Mr. Harvey, had a place of business. He come to me and said, well, I said, I want to do something for the church. And so he sold us 20 acres of prime property on Plank Road, and six acres in Zachary at a very low price and donated everything else. So that's why we have that church now on Plank Road. We sold the Church of God in Christ and it consists of a huge uh, sanctuary seating over a thousand people, another sanctuary seating 500 people, uh, a large dining hall, Sunday school rooms, uh, a bookstore, furniture store, gym, dormitories. I'll take you to see it today. And uh, so we have been uh, richly blessed. And so one of the secrets that we've had through the years, for every dollar that we spent, for instance, if, if we owe $3 million today, we have $3 million coming in. For every dollar, for every dollar that uh, we owe, we have a dollar coming in. It's been that way for for years, and of course we had no problem uh, with finances because the bank knows this. We've been doing business for years, so when they look at our balance sheet and see that uh, we're not heavily in debt, because the worst thing that a young preacher can do is go in debt and not be able, folks. Folks get upset when you have to get make a pull for an offering, and to uh, God be the glory. But let's see, I've been here 56 years. We have never, in this 56 years, lifted one building fund offering. Nobody can say I give $100 or $1,000. We haven't done it. But we preach from the beginning. We preach tithing and offerings. And the folks support the work of God. And we only take one offering in every service. And that one offering consists of everything, no other 
no other offerings, one offering, and uh, we've been able to stay out of debt all these years. Yeah, so uh, we're thankful for that. Let's talk about um, the church as far as signs and wonders. In your lifetime so far, give us a special service that really impacted you. Well, I guess that uh, one of the uh, great services we had, of course, was with uh, Brother Verbal Bean, his revival. We started out, and uh, so... We uh, started sending angels out, and some of the folks in our church last night got the Holy Ghost uh, because of that uh, revival. When Brother Lyles asked last night how many of them got the Holy Ghost under Brother Bean, I didn't see no hands go up, but people didn't understand. You know, they don't catch everything, but we had several there last night who received the Holy Ghost under Brother Bean's revival. That was uh, amazing. And uh, so we have seen many, many wonderful miracles, you know. And I guess the uh, greatest thing was uh, watching men like Brother Bean, Brother Joe Duke, you've probably heard of probably heard of Brother Joe Duke and uh, great men of God you have to have revival I mean it's just got so now that's why we start having our camp meetings we still have our camp meetings and uh, it's mostly for our local people and that, that's why we try to use local preachers I want to say local preachers within a right. hundred to two hundred mile uh, radius. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, tell, tell me something as far as uh, what could you say to a young minister that's starting a work right now? What what would you tell him to help him? Well, I would say first of all, start the evangelistic program. Get out and start knocking on some doors of course every every city is different and uh, start and stay I mean most of them now they'll stay a year or two and take off you know I know uh, I know one church back home this church that I'm talking about that was such a great church in its day today I mean uh Unbelievable! They just don't no outreach program at all. They're just sitting there dying because folks don't live forever. The old folks are dying. New generations coming on. They have hardly no young people, and that's the secret of the church is to have young people. Now, seven hundred and thirty-three that we had last Sunday. That was children. Right. That's a lot of children. Yeah. If we save. Five percent of those, just five percent. That's going to be thirty-five young people, ten years from now, and that's the church. Right. You know, and they start having children, so uh, you're not going to save them all. Yeah. And you've got to be willing to put up with a lot of things, you know, <laughs> because uh, when you have this many children in church on Sunday morning, seven hundred something, you're going to have a lot of chaos. 
be some ruffins in the bunch. Yeah. And so if you're not careful, you'll say, what's the use? Right. We just keep on, keep on keeping on. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your family. Tell me how you, how you met your wife. And oh, yes. We grew up in the same uh, area, about, country, about a half a mile. And uh, so, <laughs> like, we used to sing in church, my wife and I. Uh, I was nine years old. She was eight. And uh, back then, I think we didn't have it, about two cars in the church. And of course, they were, they were, she came from a very uh, prosperous family. He was a farmer, and they had a uh, grocery store. And so uh, we started singing in church, and uh, we started friendship. I was ten, and she was about nine. And we had scripture quoting contests. This is uh, something. Every Sunday afternoon, we had scripture quoting contests. And uh, she was on one side, I was on the other one. And, and back then, you know, we just couldn't say Jesus Christ the same yesterday. You had to tell where it was, and you couldn't miss one word. If you missed one word, you were seated. So this particular Sunday afternoon, I knew I was going to be the winner. So she was on one side and I was on the other. I was 10 years old and she was 9. And it was Hebrews 13 and 8. And I said, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. She said, you can be seated. I said, no, ma'am, I'm not being seated. That's what it says. They opened the Bible and I left one word out. Jesus Christ said, yesterday and today and forever and so she won that contest but it was amazing we'd stand for the longest hundreds of scriptures couldn't miss one word now you miss one word tell where it was at and that word so naturally there was a lot of studying and young people you know they, they didn't today it's altogether different there's so many things to do but back then hey man there was no golden arch no place to go so we took the Bible and studied. And so we sang in church. And then uh, later on, of course, uh, we married at a very early age. I was a ripe old age of 17 and she was 15. And oh, my father-in-law said, you'll never make it, said you'll starve to death. But, but we didn't starve. And so very early she already knew the business. At 15 years of age, she was running her father's uh, store. And so we saved our money. We moved to Seattle, Washington. And I, both of us worked for Bowen Aircraft Company for a couple of years. Saved our money, came back home. And uh, then he didn't like it because we went down the road about three miles from their place of business and opened our own store. <laughs> so we done very good, and then we had got the uh, we bought into the Piggly Wiggly franchise, and we had our Piggly Wiggly food store, and it was a great success. I mean, 
we had double green stamps on windows and we'd have cars parked for blocks trying to get in to uh, get food but uh, then when you get the conviction I went ahead sold out and uh, took that money and uh, went to Central Louisiana and pastored those churches until 1959 we come. So for 60-something years we've been busy up until now. Of course, our health, my wife's health, as you know, is failing her. And so we turned the church over to Brother Tony. We felt that was the right thing to do. We did not want to wait till we passed on and everybody be so divided up. So about five years ago, and he has done, of course, a tremendous, tremendous work. How many kids do you have? We had seven. Seven kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, Timothy Spell, of course, he's not here this week because he's in Ohio, stays very busy. He's been a great influence in our young people choir leader for for years when he was growing up, you know. He was our choir director. And then uh, another young son we have pastors a church in Florida. And then uh, my two daughters are in uh, Missouri. And so uh, we have been uh, blessed beyond measure. Amen. Amen. So uh, we just thrilled what the Lord has done for us. Amen. My final question to you, Brother Spell, is when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? I guess I'll probably want to be remembered as a a lover of missions. I think that uh, that has been my goal, my life, from day one of uh, helping others. That's why we to all these home mission churches across America, San Antonio, Dallas, uh, Seattle, uh, all these places that they, they couldn't they couldn't get financing, you know, banks. It's almost impossible for a young man to go to a bank and borrow $50,000 or $100,000. I mean, they won't talk to you. But I happened to get in close with the bank here in town, and uh, this is rather amusing. I had a preacher with me one day, and I think it was Brother Featherstone. I'm not sure. He needed a $100,000. So we were sitting in uh, my dining room, and I called my bank. I said, uh, I want you to put 100000 I want to make a loan, put $100,000 in my account. He said, all right. So that young man, he said, how? How can you do that? I said, well, one thing, when you go to a place, you stay and stay and stay. Don't leave. Hard times come and just keep staying and uh, work yourself up a name. And we've done that. So I guess that I will be remembered by our love for missions and others. Amen. Well, you're listening to HCR Preacher's Corner. It's been a pleasure, Brother Spell. God bless you. Thank you. 
Thank you once again for tuning in to another edition of Preacher's Corner. We are glad that you decided to join us today. Remember that you can download the podcast from our website or you can go to the podcast section on our phone app and download the episode. It will be available. You can share it with your friends or you can listen to it again if you want to enjoy it once again you can download it on our podcast section thank you so much for tuning in we have more interviews in store we have more interviews coming up during the next few months so we will be doing this program once again it's called preacher's corner and once again you can download it on our podcast section of our website or on the app please take advantage of the different sections of the website we now have the feature where you can get a text alert As far as what's going to happen on a particular stream, you can subscribe to it by going to that particular stream on the website. We will be giving you text alerts on what takes place on HDR 1, 2, or 3, and those will be free to you on our end. So go to the website, take advantage of that feature, sign up, get those text alerts by calling the number on that particular stream. Thank you so much for tuning in, and remember that you can download this podcast on our podcast section. Thank you for tuning in to another edition to Preacher's Corner, and we're looking forward to the next one, and God bless. Morning, my life in the way of